Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer, and my guest today is Sean Brown. Discovering the competitive advantage outsourcing delivers businesses and their people several years ago, Sean Brown and his co-founders launched Strata Staff to provide specialist business outsourcing solutions to the Australian strata industry. After growing up within the family business, Sean graduated from the University of New South Wales with a Bachelor of Laws and a Bachelor of Jurisprudence. Sean has worked in the law for over 20 years and in 2009 commenced practice as a barrister at the Victorian Bar. Since 2019, Sean has based himself in Angeles City, Philippines, actively growing strata staff and also continuing to serve his legal clients remotely. I'll take you over now to my chat with Sean Brown. Sean Brown, welcome to the show. Thanks, Amanda. Good morning. Good morning to you. It is a pleasure to have you here with me. Now, Sean, people in our strata sector, whether they are managers or suppliers, as we call those who service our owners, I find come from far and wide, different professions, different backgrounds. I'd like to start with your background. Tell us a little about you and how you came to be in this wonderful strata world. Thanks, Amanda. Firstly, thank you very much for inviting me onto your podcast. We share a common background, Amanda, like you. I'm a a lawyer by trade, you say. I graduated from the University of New South Wales and uh, pursued a career in the law, went to the bar in Victoria, then I took a position with the Queensland government and then I went back into private practice as a solicitor. So that's, if you like, in a nutshell, my background. When I went back into private practice as a solicitor, I, I developed an interest in work being done offshore. And, and specifically, I, I got interested in why it could be very successful or equally so, it could be a bit of a train wreck for the business owner. And it was that dichotomy. It was very little room in the middle, but it was that dichotomy that got me interested into why was that? And uh, essentially, that led me to join the, the industry I'm in now, which is outsourcing, if you like. Uh, I don't like that term, but it's um, commonly used to describe the industry I'm in. So fast forward, I'm, I'm now a co-founder and, and CEO of Strata Staff, and we run a specialist offshore capacity solution for Strata managers in Australia. And, and I hope to be able to offer other jurisdictions what we do for our Australian managers um, in the future. So. Sean, you are a lawyer by profession. Did you ever practice as a strata lawyer? When did you first have your introduction to strata or if it was simply this idea of providing offshore services to strata, why this industry? Why the industry? Well, essentially, uh, a very good friend of mine is a strata manager and I also was interested in, uh, if you like, gaps in the industry I'm in now in, in doing work here for Australian businesses in the Philippines. And one of the areas I could see that wasn't being properly serviced or wasn't really being serviced at all was an offshore solution for strata managers. So it was it was a clear gap in the marketplace and it was a clear gap in, in the skills necessary to be able to do that well here. And um, because of that opportunity, um, that was the area that I looked at and, and wanted to penetrate, if you like, in terms of 
being a center of excellence and, and doing something really well rather than trying to do everything for everyone initially. Um, I took the view it's better to specialize in something. And to be completely honest and candid with you, it was probably a little bit of a toss of a coin between legal or strata and went with strata. And I'm really pleased we did because um, now we're, um, I would argue, we're the number one option for an offshore solution for strata managers. Uh, that's not to say we're the only company doing it, but I would certainly say that we're certainly in front in terms of skill and quality and what we're doing here. Mm. Now let's talk about the train wreck experience first, and then maybe we'll talk about some positive experiences. Why is it that some people delve into the world of outsourcing or sourcing their staff or their team offshore, and they have this train wreck experience? What's going wrong? Well, I think there's there's a wide range of issues that can occur and, and things that can go wrong. Now, that's a very general remark to make, but it's the truth. And at one end of the scale, you might have cultural issues or misunderstandings in communication. And if you're not aware of those issues, you can really sour a working relationship right up to issues that centre around the welfare of the people that are working for you. Are they being properly compensated? And this also, I would argue, goes to an element of risk for people that are sending work offshore. To whom, who are you doing business with? And are they compliant in the country and the jurisdiction that you're sending work offshore to? Because like any other industry, there are a lot of fly-by-nighters, backyard operations. And it's something I get quite upset about is when I see for example, Australians saying, I, I run a BPR, a business processing, outsourcing business. And if you start taking the layers off the onion about what their operation really is, it becomes quite apparent quite early that their staff aren't being paid their social security. They're not being paid their phil health. They're not being paid what's called their pubibig. So they're not being properly supported. And what that means is that, you know, it's not sustainable. So the staff member will probably be looking elsewhere, which is completely understandable. You'd be doing the same if you're an employee, you're not being properly compensated and, um, you know, they'll, they'll move on. Now, if setting up work being done remotely offshore hasn't been done and managed correctly, what tends to happen is there are no process manuals, there's, the training has been ad hoc at best, there's no plans around continuity of business. So if your staff member offshore leaves or that has even happened to me once, just simply disappears. Hmm. You're starting again from zero. And the time investment for you, Amanda, as a business owner, that's huge. That's a massive disruption. It's like you lost, essentially lost an employee. So, I mean, they're just some examples of what can happen. So, as you know, there are a lot of options available to people in business to send work offshore. And it ranges from essentially doing it yourself. So, using one of the online platforms that are out there that people use. And, and that's what I use to begin with. And it's hit and miss right up to retaining a company like mine, which specializes in setting up systems, doing work offshore and specialize in a particular area of expertise. And I guess you've got everything in the middle. And quite often, if you try to do something yourself that you're not an expert at it, you muck it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's through, through several years of testing and doing work here and learning about the culture here in the Philippines. And, and I'll be honest, the Philippines... I also noticed the difference between countries, so the the quality of work being as a strata, if you like, in terms of where the work was being done and by whom. And I found the Philippines was a standout in terms of the quality, similar work ethics and things like that, which were a good fit for what I could see in future clients. So, Mm. So that's why the Philippines. And secondly, where we're located here in Angeles City, 
you've got one of the largest concentrations of offshoring companies in the world. And that means we've got a tremendous talent pool of highly educated, really talented, really valuable people that we can source and bring them into our company, train them, and then they can assist our, our clients back in Australia. So we have a lot of strata managers tuning in, Sean, and thinking, hmm, might like to try this offshoring thing. What is it exactly that your staff do for strata managers and their businesses? We essentially, in a nutshell, what we do here is we do all the, a lot of the back office strata administrative tasks that you would see a strata manager or a strata assistant doing in a strata management agency in Australia. So everything ranging from coding of, of invoices, so processing through the software that a strata manager might use. So for example, it might be uh, Strata Master and FileSmart or Property IQ or, or one of the other platforms that are, are out there, right up to higher level tasks where, for example, we're processing Section 184 certificates for our clients or owner's corporation certificates. And there's a, a gamut of tasks in between. So owner updates, Section 22 updates, mortgage updates, maintaining the role, all the routine administrative tasks that you'd expect to see a strata manager or their assistant doing in Australia, we, we can do here and we do it well. Now, since starting, we, we're now processing on average about 40,000 individual strata administration tasks a month across that gamut. And be completely transparent, often it's the clients will come to me and say, hey, Sean, what do you think about doing this? And that's how the offering of the tasks that we can do here and do well, if, if you like, grown. It's grown through collaboration with other strata managers that are our clients and, and we see opportunity to do something else for them and we test it and we do it and then we can onboard it here. What we do and what that means for a strata manager is we're empowering them to focus on what matters most. And, and I would argue that's better outcomes, better service to their clients because if they're not having to be bogged down with what could be hours and hours of processing administrative tasks, and if that can be done offshore competitively and done at, I would say, even a high quality of what you might expect to see in an office in Australia, because my people, that's all they're doing. The phone isn't ringing, they're not distracted, all they're doing is processing those tasks. So your strata manager and their staff in Australia are free to focus on what matters most, which is better business outcomes, growing their portfolio, but also providing better service to their clients and committee members and the owners of the buildings that they manage. You've mentioned there, Sean, high quality. I imagine business owners, as a business owner myself, that's key for me. And I do work with staff who are offshore and have been very lucky in that experience. I think I have to say that I have a, a wonderful team that I've been able to set up, but that quality control, checking, making sure there is no reduction in standards. And we do, our clients expect these high standards. How do you make sure when your team is possibly on the other side of the world, how do you make sure that that quality is there without having to check in constantly, having to feel like you're monitoring, supervising, because you're just not in the same room, micromanaging, yeah. How do you do yeah, that? Yeah, which, which is then counterintuitive because that leads down to the path of the train wreck I mentioned earlier because mm. you lose the advantage of somebody assisting you to do that work. If you're having to essentially watch it closely and be your hands-on yourself as a business owner or have one of your other value onshore team members micromanage it, you're not getting a return on your investment. In fact, it's probably more costly for you. Again, there's a range of things that a business owner can do. But I would start with this. 
just because the person's offshore doesn't mean they're really any different than an onshore employee. They have the same needs. They need have the same needs as an individual. They need to grow in their career. They've got career aspirations. They need to be, as I said earlier, properly compensated. Their IT needs to be 100%, which is very important. You know, all those sorts of issues. And, and again, some local awareness in terms of the challenges they might face. For example, one of the problems in the Philippines is the power and internet can be unreliable. So what are we going to do about that? And what would happen if, say, Amanda's team member was unable to work for three days? What plan do we have in place? to deal with that. But to answer, get back to your original question, it starts with the training and the onboarding process and making sure things are documented, making sure that the person that you've got assisting you offshore has been properly, I guess, supported, properly trained, knows what they're doing and is developed into that role. And what tends to happen, I've seen it occur, and in fact, I've been guilty of this myself, is that your offshore team member can be a little bit out of sight, out of mind. You just send the work over to them and haven't really thought about, have they been properly equipped to do this work for you? And if they haven't, it's going to be a bad outcome, as it would be if, say, you employed a person that was, say, a, you know, worked as a dental receptionist and suddenly expected her to become a paralegal or a solicitor, it's not going to work. So, you know, it's the same here with leading a team of remote staff. So, mm. so there, there's some things. But from my perspective, the, probably the most important thing is properly training and supporting your people and making sure that they know what they're doing before they're allowed to essentially work on a client's um, work. And so what we do here is before someone is allowed to actually process tasks, they're trained for up to several weeks uh, sitting side by side, one of our more experienced team members, one of our team leaders, and we endorse them on the tasks that they'd be working on for a client. And so that when we do onboard a new client, we, we know the staff member that's going to be working on their account is, is sufficiently experienced. And at this stage, Sean, are you talking about purely back office administrative tasks or have you thought about or are you even entering that world of licensed professionals providing strata management services? No, I haven't. We're not interested in that. Our role is to support strata managers and the strata industry, if you like, in Australia. So not to offer an offshore licensed um, option for owners of buildings. I see what I do as a, as a specialty and likewise, I see what strata managers do as a specialty. And I think where we can be really successful is, is assisting strata managers in their business and providing them with support so they can provide better service to their clients. Mm, support and better support is definitely something I hear strata managers crying out for. Mm. Can you share a client story, Sean, a win that one of your clients has been having or how they are successfully working with you? In terms of just generally speaking, all of our clients, we haven't lost a client yet, which is wonderful. <laughs> Some of our clients have been with us now since we launched. So we hard launched the business in April 2019. Some of our clients have now uh, three staff, three team members here processing their work. So that's a significant uh, saving in terms of the financial impact that has on that business. But also importantly, the existing team in Australia now has so much more time to better service their, their clients and their staff are less stressed out and things are just getting done well here for them. 
the success stories I think we we have is that I can't pick out one individual case study for you to say, oh, this particular agency had a, a higher client satisfaction result of, you know, before and after us or something like that. I, I can't do that. But what I can point to is the, the volume of work we're doing, the financial saving that has resulted to our, our clients, and that generally speaking, the volume of work we do here increases for a client. So they come into us, they start out doing one or two tasks and not over a period of time, but not a long time, we're doing more and more for them and they're taking on more people. So the flip side of that is their agency has grown and I can see growth. Also, one thing I monitor is people advertising for strata managers and uh, strata assistants. And I've noticed some of our clients after sending work here have in fact employed more staff. So their practice has grown. So the evidence is there that if that business has, has grown, well, it must have grown through providing better service to its clients and, and we're part of that success. So, But really our role is, I guess we're in the back office where we're getting the work done and we're not at the front end of things and, and we're in that supportive role. And I would really love to see more strata management companies, strata managers taking up this opportunity to explore offshore options. Some businesses might find it's not for them, but I think there'll be plenty of businesses out there who will find that it is for them. I've already said I have a virtual team, I call them, in the Philippines, and they are well known to many of our listeners, Pia and Rochelle, who helped me out here. And a lawyer, you would think, Sean, maybe the last person who would successfully have a virtual team, but I certainly couldn't live without them. They've been serving me very well That's for awesome. the last few years. And I do endorse 100% everything you've said about having procedures in place, having those strong connections, treating your virtual team just like you do your onshore team, as you call it, whether it's your Sydney team or your Melbourne team, and making sure that they are a part of your business the same way all of your people are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably the key takeaway I would offer anyone considering sending work offshore is that you know, at the end of the day, they become part of your team. One of the phrases I don't like, Amanda, is VA. And I, I don't mean to offend you because you probably use That's it as okay. well. But I, yep. I actually, it's, it's been around for a long time, but people use VA. And I said, well, there's nothing virtual about my people. They're all very real. But yep. also, I would argue now we're all VAs. We're all doing work true. remotely, right? And this idea that the VA is the person that is somewhere else and that's who and what they are, in my opinion, is very limiting. And it's mm. not, you know, and now really we're all in some way, to some extent, certainly in business type roles that you and I work in, we're, we're all in that category now. So, so true. You know, if you haven't gone it out, done it yourself, gone down that pathway, if you've actually got someone that is helping you with this, you need to do some due diligence and, and also look at where's the management team located. So, I live in the Philippines. I'm sitting in our office here in, in the old CBD area of uh, Angela City, you know, and I, I think that's a significant point of difference. And, and the number of CEOs or senior management for outsourcing businesses that actually have their management in country, there's not many. So, you know, I think that sort of goes to the integrity of the operation. Is it being properly managed? Are there people being properly supported? They're the things that I would certainly argue someone should look at. And they're just, they're simple things, right? But they occur in an office onshore. But because you've got a remote team member that doesn't have the financial capacity to say, I've just, Manda, my computer broke, so I went out and bought another one. You'd go, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Because you don't want your business interrupted. But they can't do that. They need to be supported. So, you know, those little things are really important, particularly for you, Amanda, in your industry and your brand, 
that you're doing business with someone that's socially responsible because there are cases of that not being done here. I interview people all the time. They've worked for BPOX, like outsourcing company, whatever, and they haven't been paid their social security. They haven't been paid their Phil health. Now, for them, that's really important because here, unlike us, if we get sick, Medicare, the door's always open. Doesn't matter for anything. Here, if your employer isn't making the Phil health contributions, they're not covered. Zero. And it's huge, you know. So if you're an Australian business and you care about your brand, you should care about your offshore people being properly looked after, I put it that way, you know. Last thing you want is to be associated with something that's less than responsible, particularly in today's world of social media and the rest of it. So yeah. Mm. All right, Sean. Well, how do our listeners find out more about you and Strata staff? Where should they go to reach out? Very simple. So you can email me directly. So Sean, S-H-A-W-N at stratastaff.com.au. Alternatively, you could call us on our Australian phone number, which is Victoria, so 03-9133-3255. And uh, we'll certainly um, be able to speak to you. Alternatively, you can jump on our website, uh, stratastaff.com.au. Fantastic. And you are serving strata management companies right around Australia? Yes, we can do it Australia-wide. However, if you like, we've grown our, our footprint incrementally. And like other businesses, COVID was a big issue for us here, particularly in the Philippines. It's been very challenging. So we had to sort of slow down our growth because training staff was was very difficult. Recruiting was very difficult. So we haven't grown as quickly I would have liked us to have grown since April 2019. And so most of our clients are currently based in New South Wales. We've just taken on another client in Victoria. But um, I'm certainly keen to assist um, strata managers throughout Australia. And whilst the legislation is uh, has its differences, I would argue many of the processes we do here are similar between jurisdictions. So, for example, if we're not doing that particular task in that particular jurisdiction, it's probably very similar to what we're currently doing in New South Wales and other places. Fantastic. Similar processes, similar problems we have right across our strata jurisdictions. Well, it's been fabulous chatting to you today, Sean. Thank you so much for your time and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much, Amanda. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?